Welcome to Axios Pro Rata, a podcast that takes just 10 minutes to get you smarter on the collision of tech, business, and politics. I'm Dan Primack. On today's show, a tech unicorn might be putting its name on an NFL stadium, and Georgia is on Disney's mind. But first, Russian trolls under America's bridge. Yesterday's news cycle was dominated by Robert Mueller, whose 10-minute public statement emboldened several Democratic presidential candidates to call for impeachment proceedings against President Trump. But Mueller also wanted to leave an important warning to all Americans, regardless of whether they believe in impeachment or the White House's case-closed message. And I will close by reiterating the central allegation of our indictments that there were multiple systematic efforts to interfere in our election. And that allegation deserves the attention of every American. Thank you. Thank you for being here today. Yeah. Every time Trump says he doesn't know why there was an investigation in the first place, it's worth remembering that this is why there was an investigation. Hacked email servers, social media manipulation and the like by a foreign adversary. And perhaps most insidious, Russia's ongoing attempts after the 2016 election to spread information and misinformation in many aspects of America's life, not purely political, in order to breed citizen distrust in the media, elected officials, and in each other. It's a harder thing to address than the issue of whether to impeach or not, which is probably why so few of our leaders are talking seriously about it. In 15 seconds, we'll go deeper with Axios media reporter Sarah Fisher. But first, this. Axios Chief Technology Correspondent Ina Fried shares breaking news and analysis on the most consequential companies and players in tech, from the Valley to D.C. Subscribe to get smarter faster at signup.axios.com. And now, back to the Pro Rata Podcast. We're joined now by Axios media reporter Sarah Fisher. So, Sarah, this morning you write about how Russian Internet trolls are promoting the vaccination or or rather anti-vaccination debate. Explain, how is that happening? Yeah, so researchers found at the George Washington University that an unusual amount of Internet bot activity, mostly on Twitter, coming from trolls linked back to the Internet Research Agency. You'll remember them. They're a state-backed Internet sort of propaganda arm of Russia, have been fueling the anti-vax debate, not necessarily by posting overtly anti-vax messages only, but probably promoting both sides sort of hyper-partisan arguments around it. And what that does is it gives fuel to the fire of an already contentious debate within our political discourse. Is that the idea just to sow division? Because tell me that I'm wrong about this. I can't imagine the Russian government cares too much if some Americans voluntarily let themselves get measles. They don't. They just want to sow discord and division. And the way you do that is you seize conversations or issues that are already starting to take shape. Because if you do that, they're more likely to be believable. And that's why, you know, we wrote about this a few days ago. The issues that you're going to see the Russians meddle with in 2020 aren't going to be the same issues that you saw in 2016. These botnets, as well as Russia propaganda arms like RTTV, are sophisticated enough that they're going to go after things we're already talking about because they're more believable. So go back, actually, when you talk about 2016, it's interesting because I think the perception is that this was, you know, some pro-Trump Facebook ads, but there was a lot of stuff, for example, that got posted relating, for example, to something like Black Lives Matter. It actually was more of those issues than anything pro-Trump. And they also had some things that were pro-Hillary, too. The point, again, was to sow division. And by sowing division, you undermine institutions and you undermine trust. Donald Trump as a candidate was somebody that was in some ways trying to undermine institutions and trust in those institutions. For example, the mainstream media. For example, in some cases, big business going after big oligarchies. So 
from that perspective, the Trump campaign was not necessarily benefited by Russian trolls directly, but they were both going after the same goal, which is undermining institutions and undermining trust. All right. So let's talk about some of these things that are happening now, kind of very much ahead of the 2020 elections, although very ahead. We're whatever, 16 months away. One of them you talk about is this fear of 5G, which is kind of the super fast networking, which is slowly being rolled out and health concerns around it. This reminds me a little bit about the worries about microwave ovens in the 1980s. Totally. Look, it's completely unfound that 5G is linked to any sort of healthcare concern, whether it be autism or cancer. But what you find is that you know, I mentioned earlier Russia Today, the television network that's state-sponsored by Russia but airs here in the U.S. Anchors have been sort of peddling these anti-5G messages that the little small boxes that are going to transmit 5G cause cancer, could cause Alzheimer's disease. The problem is, and the New York Times did a great job reporting about this a few weeks ago, when you do that, blogs and websites, sometimes they're on the fringe right, sometimes they're labeled as such and sometimes they're not, are going to pick up those unfound allegations and and they're going to spread them even further. So from this perspective, what you're finding is that Russia is taking an issue today that didn't exist in 2016, the issue of 5G, and they're going to weaponize it to scare people around this new technology. The perception always is, is that it's older folks who get scammed easier by things on the internet. And I'm not just talking about information, but, you know, literal, you know, take your money sorts of scams, but younger digital native type millennials are are wise to it. Do we know it all when it comes to things like this, if there is a demographic divide or if what these Russia trolls are doing is effective, whether you're a 25-year-old voter or an 85-year-old voter? Great question. Let's go narrow. If you take a look at the issue at hand, yes, there is data and research that shows that older people are more susceptible to some of these fake news schemes online. But if you go really wide, if you look at the impact of what this is doing, it trickles down to everyone in society. And why is that? Because regardless of whether or not you believe a meme or your mom believes a meme, Overall, the political discourse is becoming more polarized, and that impacts every single voter, every single person that's involved in political discussion in the United States, whether you're 65 and on Facebook or you're 22 and you're on Instagram. Final question for you, Sarah. I said in the open that the kind of after Mueller's speech yesterday in which he kind of ended with this, right, this issue of Russian interference, Russian digital interference, everybody for the, you know, in the 24 hours after that's talking just impeachment or not impeachment, impeachment, not impeachment. You're in D.C. Is there any movement in D.C.? And, and maybe there's nothing that can even be done legislatively to actually deal with this beyond just some basic Facebook demonization. Yes, there is some movement. I think the biggest thing you're seeing is that the big tech platforms are working much more closely with government, cybersecurity, and national security arms than they did in 2016. And why does that matter? If you're a big tech platform, there's plenty of things you can do to reduce the harm from bots. You can reduce the amount of accounts that someone can follow in a day or the amount of accounts that someone could retweet in a day. You can use AI to make your platform more effective in weeding some of that stuff out. But at the end of the day, the most effective thing you can do is go after the people who are behind these schemes, understand what their motivations are, and then try to deter them from there. And that's not something that the tech platforms are capable of doing. That's something that our intelligence community has been tasked with doing. And so the biggest conversation in the United States right now is how can big tech work with the government to minimize some of these threats? Sarah Fisher, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Dan. My final two right after this. There is more news out there than ever before, but these days it's harder than ever to find it and to know what to trust. Axios AM takes the effort out of getting smart by synthesizing the 10 stories that will drive the day and telling you why they matter. Subscribe at signup.axios.com. And now back to the Pro Rata Podcast. 
Now it's time for my final two. And first up are reports that personal finance company SoFi is in talks for naming rights to the new stadium in Los Angeles that will house the NFL's Chargers and Rams. No confirmation yet from the company, league, or teams, but I'm told the reports are directionally correct at $20 million per year over 20 years. So two things here. First, this would be the only major U.S. sports facility to be branded by a privately held tech startup. Second, as these deals go, it's not too bad from a cost perspective. Again, $20 million over 20 years. The best comp is MetLife Stadium in New Jersey, since it's also in a major media market and hosts two different NFL teams. That deal, struck in 2011, was for 25 years at between 17 and 20 million per year. And finally, Hollywood's love affair with filming in Georgia may be coming to an end due to the state's so-called fetal heartbeat bill, recently signed by Governor Brian Kemp, which would ban abortions as early as six weeks into a woman's pregnancy. Most notable here is Walt Disney Company, whose Marvel Studios recently filmed portions of both Black Panther and Avengers Endgame in the Peach State. Here's Disney CEO Bob Iger speaking yesterday. I think if it becomes law, uh, it'll be very difficult to reduce it. I rather doubt we will. Many people who work for us will not want to work there and um, we'll have to heed their wishes in that regard. So Netflix has given similar indications with both companies waiting to see if courts step in before the law is set to take effect on January 1st, 2020. And we're done. Big thanks for listening. And to my producer, Tim Shovers, have a great national mint julep day. And we'll be back on Monday with another Pro Rata podcast.